Hello, and welcome to Chess Circuit, a podcast all about the wonderful game of chess. My name is Adam Ralph, and I'm your host. In this episode, Ben Graff joins me for a chat with Andrew Wainwright and Matthew Webb of the Chess Centre. Not that one. This one is in Ilkley in Yorkshire. If you'd like to find out more about what's going on in the chess world, search for the chess circuit and sign up for my free newsletter. Andrew Wainwright and Matthew Webb, how are you? Very well, thank you. Yeah, we're great. We've just finished the tournament, actually. So, Really? Tell us, tell us more about the tournament before I, before I grill you in depth about, about the whole chess centre. Just tell us how the tournament went and... Uh, uh, yeah, one. so it was uh, it was a bit of a, a pilot mini congress for us. So we um, we wanted to test both the technology and the facilities. So we just had a, a small. It was day one today. We're doing it as a two day congress. So three rounds today and two tomorrow. Uh, yeah, uh, and, and it went well. I mean, it's it's kind of a, a good starter for our um, approach of doing slightly different formats of tournaments. So obviously, we're all used to the classic three day five-round congress starting on a Friday afternoon. And um, as much as I've loved playing in them over the years, as, as a, you know, a, a guy with a young family and, uh, you know, a, a full-time job, giving up a Friday afternoon, sorry, Friday evening, as well as a Saturday and Sunday, isn't the easiest thing. So we decided to go two-day congress, shorter formats, um, basically an hour on the clock each. And uh, uh-huh. I think the guys enjoyed it. I think it went well. Very good. I like that format as well because it, it does. I mean, I used to be the sort of player who played in a um, six-round tournament, and uh, you know, I'd be there on the Friday night, and I'd probably stay late on the Saturday night as well. But just yeah. as you as you get a bit older, you kind of drop the Friday night round or the Saturday night round, or eventually, like me, both. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you're whittling yourself down to four games at most, and and at that point, you realise. Um, People are just quite happy to play chess as long as they can, yeah. you know, get home and do it in a civilized way. So I think I think that's a really good idea. And if you, if you t- not to bore you with formats, but if you tweak the format so it's under sixteen hundred, you can do a fide rated event, and as, and the games can be can be that short. You can stick an increment in, okay. so you could do forty five minutes each plus fifteen seconds a move. As long as the whole game is at least two hours. Then, then you can rate an under sixteen hundred tournament. So there's there's always possibilities, but I won't I won't bore you with that just yet. I can bore you at length at another time. But I th- I just think it's a fantastic idea. I mean, Ben and I have been talking to some guys um, who are doing something called the London Mind Sports Centre. You know, mm. this has been yeah. a dream for decades. Them. Yeah. yeah, and for decades. Yeah. We've been dreaming about this, a, a chess centre. It's like waiting for a bus. Yeah. You know, you wait ages and then two come along at once. And all of a sudden we've got Mind Sports Centre in Hammersmith, which is, uh, I'm not being unkind, but it's basically driven by Bridge and Go. Yeah. And then we've got you guys in Ilkley, in, 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 the, in the beautiful county of Yorkshire. Um, yeah. But it's, it's a proper chess centre. Yeah. It's a proper chess centre. It's it's a mini version of what Chris and John are doing. We had, we had a really good chat with Chris and John and the great guys um, and what they're doing is amazing and we can't wait to come and visit. Um, yeah. We've even talked about they'll send a team up here and then a couple of months later they'll send a team down to London. So we, we can't wait to see the Hammersmith venue. Um, but it's, it's going to be on a, a scale of magnitude much greater than what we've yeah. done here. So, so, so I'm conscious because... Um, Adam's probably been a bit closer, closer to this, this than I have. So maybe, maybe for our listeners, maybe you could like tell, tell us the story, kind of what are you doing? How did it start? Where, where are you now? Just to, just to set the scene for us. So, you know, for those, those who aren't as aware of, of what's going on. Sure, uh, I can start that. I mean, we've told the story a few times now. Obviously, we've piqued the interest of lots of people, whether it be existing chess players or just, just friends and family, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but Andy and I have been uh, playing chess together since uh, secondary school, so it's sort of 13, 14, 15 years old. Um, and we always had the, the luxury of having a school that had a specific club where we had a teacher that was dedicated to, you know, supporting the growth of chess within the school. And we went to travel to different schools and things like that. And then we, we ultimately merged into the adult leagues um and but what we found with some of the adult leagues is that they were all played in 
um, different like working men's clubs or, or different types of venues where it wasn't necessarily a dedicated venue for, for chess. So you were you either wrapping up the sets pretty quickly after you'd finished or there wasn't like anywhere to grab a drink or various different things that kind of sometimes impeded the whole experience. So Andy and I, over the course of the last 20 plus years, um, I've always been talking about the idea of, of a, a dedicated place to play. I mean, obviously, when you see things that's happening in places like the US, um, where they've now, you know, with Rex Seinfeld setting up the whole, you know, that whole dedicated center, obviously that takes a hell of a lot of money. And, and But what it's ultimately got out of that is a love for for the game itself. It's kind of rejuvenated that that interest in playing chess and a high quality level of chess, which we we want to do. And, and the timing's right. I mean, COVID last year um, made everyone think. And I think across the UK, a lot of smaller clubs are in the same boat. They don't know who's coming back to play. They don't know if their venues are available to play in. Um, and, and quite frankly, as Matt said, we're fed up of playing in basements of pubs and dodgy upstairs rooms. We're fed up of playing in venues that are not um, suitable and, and uh, appealing to, to new people joining the game. So juniors, women, you know, brand new players. You, you hear the same stories and we've heard it in the last few weeks from people who started to come to our, our, our new place, which is they've been to other clubs and they go in and there's 10 guys sat there heads down at a board you know they've played each other for the last 20 years they're there to play a game of chess on a Tuesday night or Wednesday night whatever it may be there's no infrastructure for people to socialize to you know to, to talk to other people to understand what's going on and mm. I, I, from my experience the UK over it, it's exactly the same so the concept of what we're doing then is effectively we're trying to create a blueprint for how at a small regional club level, you can not only create excellent playing facilities, so physical facilities, yeah. but also top class digital facilities. Um, and in doing so, we can raise the bar of the game um, because you know I, I, I think chess players are an interesting breed at times. Um, when it comes to paying something like a monthly membership, um, it's an alien concept. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to, to give you a flavor of that, we're charging £20 per month for membership to our club. Mm. I, I pay more than that for my season ticket. I pay more than that for my kids' football, for their dancing lessons, for their gymnastics lessons, for their martial arts lessons. Yet, you ask most chess players to pay £20 per month for a club membership. And it's a completely alien concept. Not not just to tight Yorkshiremen. I think again, it's the it's the UK over. Um, yeah, I wasn't going to stereotype Yorkshire folk. <laughs> so so that, that's what it's about, guys. It's about what what we'd really love is three five years from now we can show a thriving chess centre which has, has brought a generation of new junior players as well as adult players that is financially sustainable yeah. um, and has shown that effectively on a not-for-profit basis, you know, yeah. we, we can set it up, we can recuperate the financial costs of doing so, and then anything that we make as a surplus will be reinvested back into chess. Yeah. This is all about giving yeah. back to the game. I mean, have some jobs, um, and we're not going to give up the day jobs. <laughs> uh, this, this is all about the love of the game. Yeah. I mean, this sounds amazing. I mean, and you know, it's mm. like over the years, and I suspect Adams was saying, and he sort of alluded to it a little bit, we've all, you know, sat around in clubs and stuff where everybody talks about wouldn't it be great to get a dedicated venue? And we have all these like pie in the, pie in the sky discussions. And of course, nothing ever happens, but you guys have made it happen. So, so, so what was your secret? How, how, did you, how did you go about having, you know, this brilliant idea to actually, you know, sitting where you are now, you know, actually in a, in a dedicated chess centre? Um, I mean, it's gone on for quite, so, so the, we've come on from it from two slightly different angles between Andy and myself. We've both got slightly different professional skill sets. Um, but a number of years ago, I was talking to Andy about the whole idea of being able to um, enter uh, like chess events online, like the whole the old school method of filling out an entry form and having to send off a postal entry. I mean, that's, by and large, that still exists. And I mean, 
that cannot go on forever. But the people who are running these uh, these congresses or these various different events, they don't really have an alternative to go to because most of them are either not very tech savvy or they just don't have the necessary time to do it. So I talked to Andy and say, oh, yeah, we're thinking about setting up this thing called like a you know chess events where it's just basically like a global or a UK based online place to, to create events. And, and me and Andy iterated through that and said, there's, there's various options. And then very recently, uh, like just, I don't know if it, just before the, the pandemic hit or, or within that early time frame, he then approached me saying he was thinking about setting up a physical club. And the kind of two ideas kind of amalgamated where we need to modernize the way players engage with events, finding events, whether it's finding them online, registering for them, and making that whole experience as seamless as possible, um, you know, reduce the barriers for entry, like reduce the noise for like do I, like the complexity around do I need a rating, um, you know, do I need to give in all this personal information like my address and you know my date of birth and all those things kind of things. Um, no, you don't need any of that. We just need we just need your name, your email, and uh, and you, you know, and you just pay through like PayPal or Stripe. And then we've got enough information for you to come into the club, try it out, play an event, um, and and, then, and there we go. And then obviously that meet, meets with the, the physical presence of a club. Yeah, and and I think if we're honest as well, it was a little bit of a it was a leap of faith. It was <laughs> it was very much yeah. on the to build it and they will come. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's been... the exact words a number of times. My yeah. favourite line. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we launched our junior events three weeks ago, um, and we're, we're almost now at full capacity for our for our Tuesday nights, and we'll hopefully soon launch to a, a second uh, set weekly session. We, we launched our adult events just this week, uh, pursuant to the COVID guidelines, um, and, and in our first first. Um, session we, we had about 20 people turn up but half of them were brand new people we, we had no no idea on, <laughs> on thursday morning is anyone coming tonight yeah. is, is anyone actually going to turn up to yeah it, it could have just be matt and i sat there <laughs> playing some chess and and, and, and in, a, in a very cavernous hole um, <laughs> but, but thankfully people came and, and not only did they come but you know brand new people and you know, it was great. We, we had a group of 16-year-olds from the local grammar school turn up telling us about how they play at school on an iPad because uh, there is no club. There's nowhere else for them to play. Um, we had university students. Um, it, it was quite interesting, actually. The demographic of players that came were quite young, um, you know, up to kind of 30s, 40s. And maybe that's a sign that more senior players at the minute are still apprehensive about COVID um, and, and not ready to, to return to the board. So we'll see, I think, in the weeks ahead. It's, it's still, um, I mean, we talked, didn't we, about the fact that it, it could be a bit of a, a, a false dawn. We, we, we could end up with a, a grand swell of appetite for a few weeks and never see them again. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that won't be the case. But hey, you know what? I think we should just take a minute to pause to celebrate the fact that, that over the board chess is happening again. Yeah. Isn't that... Isn't that round of applause? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A moment we've all been waiting and dreaming for, and you guys are like, you know, the pioneers that have enabled some of the very first chess yeah. to happen again. So, and for you guys to take the plunge, yeah. I mean, in this situation with with COVID still, you know, restricting people's movements and and their kind of psychological freedom is a real that is a real leap of faith. I mean, some people would say this is. They would say this is the worst time to start a, a new business, especially yeah. a new business like like this. So it is a big jump. I mean, how did you? Um, that I could. I was imagining you budgeting. You know, putting this on a spreadsheet and showing this to a bank manager and asking to borrow money to start this yeah. business, and imagining the kind of response you'd normally get. I mean, how did you manage to persuade um, anyone to fund the centre, or did you fund it yourself? Yeah. It's entirely self-funded. <laughs> that explains I it. Have, I did have to convince my wife. So she, <laughs> yeah. she's even rather than a bank manager. Yeah, I, I mean, we had a couple of calls, uh, Andy and I, late night, late on a couple of evenings where it was crunch time for, like, signing, a, you know, like, committing ourselves to this. We'd done all the financial, like, we'd iterated through the different... Uh, you know, likely cases and, and worst case scenarios and various things like that. And then but ultimately, especially with, because uh, uh, during the point when we were looking at venues, they're like, 
there was an easing of the, I think it was after the second or first yeah, lockdown. Yeah. And it was looking like, oh, it's positive, things are going to open up again. And we were very close to committing on a, on a specific venue. And then everything got locked down again. And we were like, oh, wow. Mm. We, were, we were definitely touch and go at that point. Um, and then things just started to fall into place. And we did we did think that we might have to carry the rent where we wouldn't physically be able to open for a number of months. But we decided we're just going to go for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> we're in a fortunate position, both Matt and I, that, you know, if, if, if worst case scenario is that no one does ever come, <laughs> um, we'll at least have our own private bar uh, yeah. where we can play chess. Yeah. Um, but, no, I mean, we're, we're fortunate that obviously um, property prices in Yorkshire... Um, you know, compared to obviously the, the South East and, and London are, are much cheaper. Um, so it's, it, it's, a, it's a reasonable financial investment, um, but it's not, it's not to a point where it, um, you know, it puts us at personal risk or anything That's like. good. I mean, tell, tell us about the centre. You know, you mentioned a bar, which is, all, which is already uh, an advance on most chess clubs. So, yeah. so what are the, tell us about the, you know, how big is the venue? How many rooms has it got? You know, sell, sell me the venue. It's, you've already sold it to me, to be honest, but tell me more, tell me more you, about you, it. You did bar area, how did it? Okay, okay, so it's, it's modest. Um, in, in, in total, um, there, there's, well, there, there, there's a bar area, uh, kitchen, toilet, an office, and then there's two plane areas. Um, but it's not huge. We, it, it's basically we could fit in up to twelve boards, so twenty-four players um, at a time. But we don't want to. We don't want to cram them in, so we don't have a, a, a huge playing hall. We're not going to be able to do, you know, massive congresses. Uh, though fortunately, we are opposite a hotel and next door to a pub with a large function room. So we we could, and we've already had discussions with them about, you know, we we could have the playing hall in there, and we could have. The center as an analysis area, um, but essentially it's 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 a very humble, modest size, uh, and it, it's it's based upon the concept of a regional center, regional club, as opposed to a huge plain venue. Yeah, mm. and I, I'm just interested in understanding a bit more about how it how it works. So obviously, you put on a tournament today. You'll be running tournaments. You said it's a club and club membership. I mean, is is it the aim? Is it going to be be open all all the time can other clubs borrow it i'm just i'm just interested in like the mechanics of, of, of your model really yeah i mean being being frank would not finalize any details yeah. because we've had so many conversations with with either local league captains or, or beyond that and um, mm. what we really are is open to the of suggestions to people to, to it is it is a center not a club so we can yeah. um we would more, I'll give you an example. Um, there's some of the, the, the older community that we're obviously engaged with because we play within the leagues locally who are potentially interested in, in like setting up within themselves, uh, like a, I guess a senior citizens, like, you know, Tuesday afternoon type scenario. And as long as we've got volunteers, you know, they can, we can trust them to have the keys and they can set up their own, you know, their own, uh, whatever it is weekly meeting mm. where they gather and play some games or they can something more formal. We, we're generally open to seeing what works and, and what doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it's really because, you know, I must admit, you know, playing where I do, you know, Kenilworth, you know, one of our big problems is always, is our venue. You know, yep. venues don't really want chess cl clubs. We don't, we don't drink enough. We don't, we don't socialise enough. We're in a club that's um, basically a snooker club, and chess players are the lowest to below. Yeah. <laughs> we actually play on one side of this very, very thin partition, which you can hear absolutely every word, which is usually, <laughs> usually the snooker players cursing the chess players, and, and that's yeah. kind of not, not an atypical thing. And the idea about like you know clubs being able to maybe borrow or use your venue for you know because I think I had some I'm right in, in some of the London leagues they have like central venues for. Things and I appreciate you haven't got a huge amount of space, but for four ball matches or whatever, you know, I, I can really see, you know, just looking at your logo in the background and thinking, yeah, I'd much rather be playing there than in the <laughs> in the back room of a snooker club, if I'm honest. Yeah, but the the ideal thing about this is that it's not it's not just um a club, it's a hub, yeah, and yep, it's yeah, a permanent sure. hub. So there are very few. I mean, it's it's only when I've been abroad 
that have come across chess clubs that own their own venues, who have the luxury of being able to do what they like, you know, set it out how they like, um, decorate the walls with pictures as they wish, you know, like you guys are sitting in a room with some great pictures decorating the back. Um, <laughs> it's very, very unusual for a, for a, for a, to find a venue like that in chess because of the price of, of property. And once you've got that permanent hub, you know, your idea of using the hotel across the road really makes a huge deal, you know, a huge amount of sense because you can, you can bring them customers. You could scale up. It doesn't matter that you've only got 24 places for players within the hub. You yeah. know, you can get 150 players and they can use, use your center, like you say, for analysis, maybe bookshop. You can have a permanent bookshop, um, you know, drink in the bar, although you don't want to offend the, uh, the, the, the pub next door and the uh, hotel across the road, you know, but it just makes a great deal of sense. I can already, I'm already, I'm already looking at um, trainline.com to see how much it will cost me to come up to <laughs> Ilkley. I mean, the, the, the great thing, Adam, about the location we're in as well is we are two minutes walk from Ilkley Station. Yeah. We, we have yeah. parking all around us. And when we say the hotel is over the road, it's actually not even a road, it's a courtyard. There's a large central courtyard out front, which they have a large seating area. So throughout the summer, it's going to be fantastic because people will yeah. play here outside and sit outside the hotel or the pub and have a drink in the courtyard. Yeah. There's no traffic. Um, no, I'll be honest, I Googled it because I saw your claim that it was like two minutes walk from the train station. I thought, well, in in most countries, you know, like imagine the, the kind of uh, Ryanair promise, you know, that <laughs> it, it would be like it's still 20 minutes away by bus. Um, but I Googled it and it's amazing. You, you, you've, I don't know, have you lucked out? I mean, is it just good fortune? You are bang in the centre of everything. Yep. Yes, yeah, I mean, we, we couldn't ask for a better location. Yeah. Um, I, I think one, one thing I'd add, coming back to Matt's example of um, like other things we want to do as well, is uh, it all comes back to the concept of the blueprint as well and the scalability, because you, you asked us, I think, near the start, what's, what's the long-term plan, why are you doing it? And this isn't just about we'll create a venue in Ilkley uh, and, and that's it forevermore. What, what we'd really like is to show other people how they can do it, and um, which is why, for example, uh, the, the, the technology side of things that Matt has built is all going to be made open source so people can use it free of charge. Yeah. Um, and obviously, we're more than happy to share the concepts and ideas and experiences we have here with anyone else looking to do this anywhere in the country. But also, in time, we, you know, we love the idea that we could actually replicate what we've done here in, in other towns and cities. But what that relies upon is people and any chess organizer knows it, at the end of the day, it all comes down to people. Um, we, we can make the model as replicable as possible. Um, we can provide even you know, financing down the line uh, for, for that second, third, fourth venue. But if you don't have people to run it, there's no money in chess. I think we all know this. There's, the ability to make a full-time living out of chess, those days are gone, um, you know, unless you're a top, top GM. So, you know, Matt's a software architect. I, I'm a solicitor. We're not going to give up our day jobs for this. Um, but if we can create a scalable model and other volunteers will get involved to help us out with the first centre and then other people come forward and, and, and they're people that we can buy into um, and trust and have those relationships with, we could definitely, you know, within a couple of years, have a second chess center and then a third chess center. And, and they could be chess centers all over the place. But what we're looking for is people to engage with us and to build those mm -hmm. relationships so, so that when we're ready to do the second one or the third one, um, you know, we've, we've already kind of, we've learned from this first lesson and we can do that. Yeah. It's a, it's a brilliant idea. You, you've, already, you've already got a franchise in mind. Yeah. <laughs> did you have to get any special um license from the council to to turn what might have been a domestic you know might have been a house into a into a chess center what kind of licenses do they require for that yeah yeah so um because the venue we took was an office we had to do a full planning application for change of use to a uh, effectively a, a bar stroke recreational venue so yeah, we had to do the, uh, 
the, ch the planning permission and then because um, neither of us have ever worked in a pub before uh, one of us had to uh, had to yeah. become a, a certified landlord so uh, yeah, I, I did a crash course in a week and then took an online exam and uh, <laughs> now, now I, I've got my own personal license to excellent and, and and then the final stage is is you apply for a premises license to sell sell alcohol so we're uh, we're just getting to the end of that journey. So, so we're looking forward to the first night when we can open up with a beer because at the minute it's just, uh, it, it's just a range of very nice and healthy uh, soft drinks and cappuccinos and lattes. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm looking forward to a beer or a glass of wine. I bet. Definitely earned it, absolutely. <laughs> Have you already had your official opening or is there a, is there a date set in mind for a, for a kind of gala opening? We we, did, we talked we talked about this because um, we wanted to do a launch night mainly for like the friends and family that we'd we'd probably uh, freaked out by and committing to this and <laughs> and we wanted to you know wow them with what we've achieved um, but we haven't committed to any dates yet obviously we we opened up the junior club as soon as as, as possible as, as soon as we could with the, the lockdown regulations so that's like three weeks in now and then the the adult uh, social nights started last week so I, I i can see us having at least half a dozen yeah. launch nights to be honest yeah we've, yeah we've got yeah a lot any a lot excuse to say thank you too yeah i mean yeah. we've had an army of people building furniture and um, you know doing decorating and um, you know advising us on all sorts of things and also uh, we did a just giving page uh, last mm. year and we had a number of people donate uh, very kindly to to some of the setup costs, so we want to say thank you to them as well. So yeah. there's a there's a whole raft of people. First of all, we want to say thank you, and then if we're honest, we just want to get all our friends into to, yeah. to show off a little bit and uh, enjoy a beer with them. Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds great. That sounds great. I mean, it's a brilliant it's a brilliant venture. I think I think I think me and Adam would both like to think this is sort of a future of chess, really. And you know, it'd be great to think in a few years we look back and say, hey, you know you guys really sort of started something that led that you, you know that the chess world sort of built on so i think yeah. that's what it needs you know post pandemic the world's never going to be the same as it was before and there's lots of yeah. you know opportunities that come from that and i think this this, this has to be one of them a hundred percent i think i'm going back to one of the points at the start when we were talking about mm. formats for events mm. i think another thing that came to our mind when we were thinking about the, the length of the game was all these people that have kind of discovered chess online in this in the in the, in the pandemic I'm so used to playing really quick. I mean, they probably think 10 minute games are long games. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to bring them in and potentially introduce them to like four to six hour games <laughs> is going to be just a, just, just a non-starter. So that factored into our mind. We've talked to lots of people that have been like, oh yeah, secretly been playing on chess.com or, or wherever. And and they, they want to come and get involved, but we, we can't just go with what our old formats were because they're not probably not going to work. They're, they're, they're just not appealing enough. Um, and I, I, I think we're, we're really interested in new formats, but also, I mean, Matt and I have been playing doubles chess, bookhouse <laughs> chess since we were at school. We, we love that stuff, you know, four-player chess, you know, and, and the people coming along, especially, you know, some of the students, they, you know, they're really interested in that. Oh, I've never seen this before. Uh, we, we taught... Um, Two of the lads playing in the Congress today, we had a game of Bugaz Chess with them at the end um, and they've never played before and they absolutely loved it. And it's just just moments like that that for me just make it worthwhile. You know, it's, it's just good fun. Um, and, and then, yeah, I, I'm going back to a few weeks ago, we had our first um, junior session and we, we're basically doing from, from six to 16 and, and one of the parents got in touch and she was like, is it okay if we bring my daughter? She's only five. And I said, okay, we, we, we'll see how she gets on. Bring, bring her down. And she came and, and she was amazing. She's um, so good. She was so good. Um, and, and you can just, you know, you, you can see how much they enjoy it. And that's exactly why we're doing this. We've, um, if we're honest, we've had some interesting discussions with local leagues and local clubs and a lot of apprehension around what are you doing? Are you just going to take all of our players? What's this going to mean to local organisations? And, you know, we've given them that reassurance that that is not what this is about. We are not setting up a club. We don't even know if we'll enter any of the local leagues. We, 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 we might just do a load of new events. Um, but it's all about the junior chess. It's about bringing new people into chess. 
it's not about reinventing, um, you know, the, the, with all due respect, the, the local Bradford or Leeds leagues. You know, they've got their functions. And, and I, I've loved it. I think we both have loved yeah. playing in their events for the last 20, 30 years. Um, but the difficulty is we're playing against the same guys we were playing against 20, 30 years ago. Um, and they were all in their 40s and 50s then. Uh, yeah. And now they're in their 70s and 80s. And we've missed two or three generations. I mean, Matt and I are both in our mid-late 30s. Um, you know, the, 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 there's very few people in in either the Bradford or the Leeds League, and we see it in the Yorkshire League, and we see it further afield. You know, a, apart from a few real hubs, there's just not a lot of juniors coming through. And I think things like the Queen's Gambit, uh, things like the, the boom in online chess over lockdown means we have to strike now. We, we need to take advantage of the, of the PR that we've had. You know, the fact that there's chess on, on Eurosports, there's chess on TV again for the yeah. first time in years. Um, you know, Amazing. now is the time to show people that, yes, there's loads of things you can do. I, I've got a 12-year-old lad. Um, I started playing league chess at his age. There is no way that I'm going to let him go play in some of these venues and these places uh, in the way that I did back in the day. Um, but if I can create a new function for him, a new way of playing, that you know, backs up with all the, the support structures, the safety stuff, and the technology side that we're doing, um, you know, that, that that's why we're doing this. Yeah. And and yes, they've got football, they've got other sports, they've got a world of online gaming and. And Fortnite and COD and, and FIFA and all of that stuff. <laughs> but there's also chess, and chess hasn't gone anywhere, and it's still this great game it's always been. We've just got to reach a new generation mm. of, of players with it. I think that's right. I think I think you make a really good point about juniors and the sorts of venues they're playing. Because I think I think my perspective a bit is that we, we do get juniors in, but we don't always keep them. And of course, yeah, inevitably we're always going to lose some as you know, but never you know, having nice places to play makes it just a more appealing proposition. And as you say, you know, I'm sure lots of parents have been have been to some some, some venues and thought, my goodness, I don't want, you know, it's just not, you know, it's just... Yeah. You know, We've all had that experience of seeing a new player come along to our club. Well, maybe, maybe it's just me, but, you know, come along to the club yeah. and, um, you know, drift off to, after a few weeks because it wasn't quite what they expected, especially after the, mm. the Queen's Gambit got a lot of people interested in, in playing chess but it take it takes somebody i mean chess organizers in general have to be a little bit crazy because you know it is an awful lot of work for yeah. very very little reward however you look at it not not necessarily financial it's just yeah. it's something you have to you have to do it because you like organizing things and uh, trying out new ideas so you have to be a little bit crazy to start off with and and then you you have to kind of you have to think laterally because it'd be so tempting just to recreate what we've already got and try and recreate that in a in a chess center would just it would fail because I think like you said you've identified the problem we're all getting older and we want we need something to appeal to a generation that's grown up um, basically thinking of chess as a computer game not as a game they play over the board you know they they play chess because they they got a computer with chess pre-installed on it and that's all they knew until they saw somebody playing chess over the board and thought wow i'll have some of that as well someone invented a board with pieces after the software was uh, created Uh, (laughs) i think you know what i think i think the other thing i i I totally agree with everything adam said but the the other aspect of it that i often find when i talk to people is that it probably doesn't apply to the four of us but a lot of people like chess, but they're not as competitive as we are. And they're not necessarily looking just for that pure competitive league chess. They actually want more of that community ethos and more sense of belonging, that friendlier chess, that sense you can go along, you can have a game, you can have like a, a nice chat and whatever. And actually, again, I, I do think chess centres, again, lend themselves to this sort of, you know, building communities. But, you know, of course, chess is integral, but it's not... You know, it's about the people as well as the actual pieces. <laughs> yeah, we we talked about this at, at length when we were kind of fitting out the, the club. Um, we we put specific attention to detail into the bar area to be very casual. So there's just just sort of standard kind of plastic chess sets out there with tables and chairs sort of scattered around, so to speak, with a bar. You know, it's very open, welcome, friendly, and it's. It's you know there to to have a conversation, sit down, chat, move the chairs around, move the tables around, perfect. And then this room is dedicated 
Specifically, we've got a closed off door with a glass window so the door can be can kept closed and you can peer in um, and watch the games. But the games are all DGT boards. We've got comfortable chairs and it's, it's a, it's, you don't have to say this is our playing area. It's clear this is where you sit down. This is where the serious chess takes place. But then as soon as you leave that area, you're in the social area and it's, that's mm. what we wanted to get. And, and the best thing today, given it was our first proper event, the, the thing that I loved seeing was, as Matt said, they're all DGT boards, but what he hasn't said is there's, there's a huge big screen in the bar <laughs> and the DGT boards are streaming Brilliant. to the TV in the bar. So the oh, days I love it. Yeah, the, the, the days of 20 guys huddled around the board, putting the players off, you know, we don't need to do that anymore. You can you finish your game, you go into the bar, watch it on the screen. And the other bit, which was fantastic, and we've had, you know, WhatsApp going crazy all day. The, the games are also streamed to our website. Yeah. So we've got guys who've signed up to the website, they're sat at home, they're watching the games that are being played in the club today. And, and, and I also love the concept of, you know, we're doing evening league matches. I, I've, you know, I've had a, a, a quick win. My game's over in an hour. Do I sit around for the next hour and a half, two hours, like I used to do back in the day? Now I can go get on the train. I can sit on the train into Leeds, watching my teammates finish off their game, you know, as I go. And, and, and for me, that, that's amazing. I mean, the, te the technology side of what Matt's built, I don't think there is actually anything else out there that, that is doing what we're doing at the moment. No, Fantastic. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you exactly, exactly that. Having watched your, your video, I should say to people, if they want to check out your website, it's Chess Centre, spelled uh, C-E-N-T-R-E, for our American listeners, dot online. <laughs> and, and there is a video on, um, on that page. Uh, I think it's on YouTube as well, which basically yeah. takes you on a guided tour of, of the venue. And that's one of the things I noticed was just, you know, I was thinking, well, what, what would I do in Ilkley? You know, once I finish my game and I'm waiting for the next round to start, I can, you know, I can I can wander around the town centre, but I could also stay in the venue. I can have a drink. I can read some books. I can play Skittles chess. I can watch stuff on the uh, on the TV. You know, it's a very it's a very friendly, welcoming environment that you've created. I think. Thank you. Well, I'm glad you, you saw it that way because that's that's by intention. That's exactly what we wanted the, the it to feel like. And hopefully that, that short video is just an insight into that. Yeah. And one, one of the things that made, I mean, I, I was lucky enough to join a couple of very successful clubs. And I was trying to think, you know, what, what made them successful. And one of the things was they, they always had somebody, even in an unofficial capacity, that was a kind of welcomer. And, and I realised that, you know, a lot of clubs these days, they, they don't, you know, they're quite unfriendly environments. You know, you walk into a typical club evening and everybody turns around to look at you as if you've, you know, you've, you've just interrupted their game. You know, what are you doing? <laughs> and so it's, it's um, that's something I think is very important is to, is to always welcome new visitors to your club. Um, and, I, and I think I can see already that that's the kind of environment that you're creating. I, I definitely agree with that. And um, I, I was watching a film on Netflix the other day um, and, and it really struck a chord with me. Is you, you love, you'll have all seen it. It's the Josh Waitskin uh, when he's a child. Um, and there's a scene where he's, um, his dad's gone to, the, to a chess event to have a chat with the coach and the coach is pointing out all of the players in the hall and their various <laughs> social issues that they may have. Uh, yeah. all, all to the extent of trying to put Josh's dad off, you know, do you really want your son to get into chess? Uh, and I watched that scene and I thought, isn't this just so sad? You know, so sad that, that this is how media, you know, is portraying this game. Um, it's, it, you know, I, I think we've, we've, got to, we've got to change the story. We've got to sell a different vision as to what chess is because I, I think chess as a game um, is massively beneficial to children in developing their skills, mm. social skills, as well as, you know, cognitive reasoning, mathematical, et cetera. And, and Martin and I have discussed many times, you know, we've, we've both had, you know, reasonably successful careers. Um, and, and I don't for a second think that, you know, and we both kind of said this, we, yeah. we, we would have had that if not for the influence of chess in our lives at, at an early stage. Um, it, and, you know, even, you know, for, for myself in, in, in my career, um, 
I got involved in chess organization. I'm, no, I'm nowhere near the player that Matt is, um, but I got involved in chess organization at a very young age. And, and, and just those skills of attending committee meetings, organizing events, you know, ju just those sort of things, as well as the actual chess, they, they, they develop things in you that are invaluable in later life. And I, I think there's all sorts of benefits of chess that people don't talk about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not everyone who gets into chess is going to be a GM. Not everyone who gets into chess wants to be a GM. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we all have different approaches and feels for why we play the game. Um, but there's so many benefits to it. The, 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 you know, we, we need to help parents to understand. We need, we need, we need, to, we need to get that message out there. Yeah, like I agree completely. I mean, both Ben and I have talked to um, players who, you know, we, we know they, they, they have issues, but we remember them when they, when they first joined a chess club and, and to see the way that these young players have developed as they've grown up, you know, um, it's been marvellous and chess has contributed to that because it's, you know, in my, in my own case, you know, I was, I was quite an antisocial child and uh, chess was an ideal an, an ideal sport for me because I could just I could just wear an anorak for the whole day, <laughs> never have to talk to anybody. But I could always make a friend when if I could just sit down and play chess with them. So you yeah. know, I most of my travelling when I was uh, when I was young was entirely connected with chess. And if it hadn't been for chess, I probably wouldn't have taken that that journey. Um, you know, I always I always remember once going to going to Spain and thinking, well, I don't know anybody here. And, and sitting down and just starting to, you know, in a cafe, just starting to analyze on a board. And within about 10 minutes, I had people crowding around me, you know, suggesting moves, offering to play games, asking me, you know, why I was there. And did I know that there was a local club? And did they know the, lo the local club actually owned a building and introducing me and taking me for a coffee there? And I thought, this is, this is brilliant. You know, without chess, it's, it's, um, it's an international language. And it, and it brought me out as a, as a person and uh, I've seen that happen in, in a lot of tournaments that I've run over the years. You know, you watch young people coming in um, um, with it, with various issues, but they, they, they bloom really once they get a chance, once they find something they're, they're, they're kind of passionate about. Um, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. It could be chess. It could be, it could be anything as long as they get a chance to, to try it, you know, they might find they have a talent. So you were saying earlier that, you know, it's, it's impossible to make a living out of chess. And you're thinking in the traditional sense of being a player. But I know a lot of players who, who, who now make a living teaching chess, especially within London and the southeast. And I think actually it's, it's reaching, it, you know, I've seen it reach other parts of the country and make a yeah. huge difference. So um, you can go down the route of chess in schools and communities, mm. or you can just teach chess. And is that something that you're thinking of, uh, of developing in the chess centre? Uh, I think I think we're we're open to the idea uh, certainly uh, at least or being a, the host to the idea of, of, of being a central point for um, the people really wanting to to receive coaching and then the coaches being able to use this centre as a place to to coach uh, absolutely and we can kind of start that off. I mean we already talked about some of the uh, more faster developing juniors in our club. We're probably going to have to think quite carefully. Are we? make sure that we're accelerating their development by potentially isolating them off, whether it's into slightly smaller groups and things where, you know, we can get some of the members of the committee, whether it be myself or Andy, whoever, and we can sit down with those and start that one-to-one -one type coaching. Um, but yeah, we've talked about it. We haven't really fleshed out the, the details yet. And I had talked to Andy because I, I do actually work in London uh, when, when we're not in a global pandemic. And uh and I was aware, I mean, there's a, a guy at, at my place, I work at JP Morgan called Alex Astari, who, who's in and around the junior area within London. And he's aware of like, there's a lot of coaches. Mm. Um, I think it's, it's Lauren, who's one of the coaches who's- Yeah, who, and Lauren he's very popular. Yeah, um, I, he's, he's, as far as I understand, he's very popular with, with the juniors and, and you know, it's a, it's a thriving community for coaching. And there's no reason why that couldn't, couldn't you know, expand all the way up here. We would just need to think how best we can support support that, really. And, and support other things that are in place. I mean, you mentioned chess and skills and communities. Fantastic. You know, what we don't want to do is reinvent the wheel. 
You know, we don't want to reinvent chess and skills in communities. We don't want to reinvent chess.com. You know, we're, we're both in our physical activities, our junior activities, our online digital activities. If we can enhance things that are already there, yeah. partner with people already doing this. I mean, we, we had a real good chat with, uh, with Malcolm Payne uh, around all of the good work that he's doing. Um, and, uh, you know, if we can work with those guys, that's great. So uh, to give you an example, uh, we've been contacting local schools and we're going to donate a range of uh, free sets and, and books and, and even do some free coaching to local schools. And if on the back of that, we team up with Chess and Schools and, and they can get local coaches in there, that's great. Um, because it's not scalable if it's just Matt and I. It won't mm. ever scale if it's just down to two people. I think, but I think, I think, sort of to Adam's point there about you know you you're both really great role models for another way in which you can make chess part part of your life, and I think you know people will look at your your example and you know I'm not saying they necessarily do exactly what you're doing, but it it might inspire them to, to to either do the same thing or to do something a bit a bit different, and you know I I think this whole thing that there's so many ways to to sort of to enjoy chess and to sort of make it part of what you do, you know I mean I'm. Unconscious is, is you know just, just going off off tact like you know Alex Holacek. There's, there's this thing on the um ECF forum from years ago where Alex is like a, a young lad said oh I quite fancy doing an arbiter's course so now he's an, you know now he's an international arbiter and you know and who would have thought and again because of his influence others will probably follow and want to be arbiters and when people see you guys coming up with ideas like this or frankly you know Adam may see you and all the stuff that you do I I, yeah. I think you know. I, I, I think you should all be really proud of, you know, the role you play in sort of bringing others to the game, enabling others to play and frankly, inspiring the next generation of, you know, of organisers and facilitators as well. I, I think as well is, I think we're, we're quite intrigued to see how the established UK chess community mm. um, takes us because, I mean, Matt's better known in playing circles than myself, so obviously he's a very strong player. But we're, we're relatively unknown people. We're not the regime. We're not the, um, you know, the people who've been doing this for years. Most people would be like, who the heck are these two guys from Yorkshire setting up their venue? Um, so I think it'll be really interesting in time, given that we're not, you know, the people that, if you'd have asked someone a year, two years ago, who's most likely to do this, they'll have reeled off a name of people who've been doing great work in chess for mm -hmm. a long time. People like yourself, Adam, and others who, you know, we all know you, we've watched from afar and, you know, really respect what you've done. Um, I think the fact that it is relatively unknown people doing it, it's going to be very interesting to, to, yeah. Yeah, to see how people take that. I, th and, I, think, you'll find, I think you'll find a lot of goodwill because I think, you know, yeah. just, I mean, both me and Adam were just so excited to hear about what you're doing because it's just what chess is. I think you'll find a lot of positivity. And I think, frankly, if you do get any negativity, it will come from people who are, negative about everything and let's be honest there are some of <laughs> out there you know, and, and to be honest you know chess has chess has changed as you, as, you, as you said already you know every year the average age of chess players in this country goes up by one year and that's no good that, that isn't that isn't sustainable you know i mean i i chair the lemington league we we we, we lost um we lost a, a club um two or three years ago because you know, they were running out of members. Literally, they were running out of members, and this is, you know, it's a, it's a tragedy. We have to, we have to look for new ideas, new ways of doing things, and this is, this is absolutely the sort of thing that we need. And you know, anybody, anybody who gives you grief, I think, just remember, well, what are they doing to, kind of to you know, to help take chess forward? And 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 I think as well, Ben, there's, you know, there's a lots of different ways of judging in time whether or not this project's been a success. And I think even Matt and I have very different kind of personal views on, on how we would judge that. So, you know, Matt, I think you'd love it if, if, you know, a few years from now, one of our juniors is in the England squad, for example, yeah. and we've created high-level players. Whereas, to be honest, I, I just love the concepts that, you know, 10 years from now, I might be walking down the road and see one of our juniors who's gone off to university um, and says, you know, thanks, because I've really, really got a lot out of your junior classes. Yeah. And on the back of that, it's been a positive thing in my life. Yeah. You know, th that for me means just as much as, uh, as you know, creating these high level events and you know, creating elite players for the future. We want to do that, we want to be part of that. We, you know, obviously, that, that's part of our vision. Um, but my point is that there's many ways of judging the success yeah, of something great. like this. Great. Yeah, I think that's why Andy and I's skill sets match quite well. Obviously, we've got like different like professional skills that we're using this, but 
yeah, I, I'm like, you know, looking for the next like Luke McShane type, you know, really like giving the best possible chance to someone who has that kind of gift to be able to fully like mm. benefit from that. And it, even if it's just the stepping stone in here where they may be only in here for maybe coming regularly for even only a year or so, but then go off to whatever club it is or wherever they go, they started here and got a positive image from the game that then lasts them to continue through the, you know, the difficult times when studying chess, <laughs> you realise that there's no escaping the difficulty in, the, in, in trying to improve a chess. And uh, they've just got that, you know, that really positive experience and, and, and ultimately become a very strong player yeah. or realise the talent that, they, that they've always had. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you will. I'm sure it will inspire lots of players. And I think as well, you know, you're bound, if, if, we were, if we were doing another, if we were doing a follow-up, I know, a year from now or whatever, you're bound to learn things, you know, that you don't know now. And you say, hey, we tried this, it didn't quite work. But actually, we never thought of this. And now we know it, you know, it's, it's, it's a start of a journey, isn't it? And I think that's quite exciting that we, you know, we, okay. we don't know exactly how, you know, but there'll be lots of, lots of exciting chapters, I'm sure. Yeah, we're more than happy to, to catch up again and uh, give you a oh, we uh, no, I, think we I think we definitely need to have a follow-up, definitely. I, I, I think we're just really, you know, we're both really excited for you and really intrigued to see how it goes. Yeah. And well, as you say, if you build it, they, they will yeah. come. I mean, yeah. if you if you haven't created this chess sensor, I, I mean, basically, as soon as, you, as soon as you do something, you have to step forward and, and commit yourself. But as soon as you do that, other people get excited by the idea and it inspires them and they get on board, but it takes somebody to, to take that first step forward. So I'm, I'm really pleased that you guys have, have yeah. done that. And, uh, you know, I can, I can only wish you, you know, massive success with, with your, with your project going forward. Yeah. Same for me. Thank absolutely. Cheers, guys. Well, we, we look forward to uh, you visiting given the subscription. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm looking up train prices. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be on my way there. Don't worry. As soon as uh, as soon as I'm allowed to, you know, I'll be I'll be there. Marvelous. Brilliant. Thanks very much. No, thank you both very much. It's been great. Yeah. Thanks for talking to us, and we'll we'll speak to you again. Cheers, guys. Take care. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. See you again. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you like this, why not sign up for my free newsletter? Just Google The Chess Circuit. There's a free version and there's a paid version and your support is always welcome. See you on the next podcast.